0: Once again, fans, it's time for another great moment in the world of sports. Another great moment in the world of the exciting game of life. We will, in just a few moments, take you down to the 50-yard line where we will see the opponents lining up for the kickoff. The coin will be in the air, and tonight's game will be ready to get underway. Are you ready? Fans, fans. Stuff in what do you got in That's all right. You mean to tell me this cold coffee is left over from the gambling show from this morning? Yeah. It's got hair on it, huh? Right. Yeah. Ah. Okay. Hey, wouldn't you like to hear a radio show once where nobody was interviewed? Once. Oh, right, sometimes i Uh there you go. Cha cha Hey, uh, I want to ask a, a serious question here before we get too deeply involved in the muck, the mire, the quicksand of the big game for tonight. Uh, How many of you saw that television show on Sunday here not too long ago? The great wide, wide world of sport, whoopies type thing. You know, where all these guys are standing around with these blazers and these uh, Swedish and these these Swiss-looking coats and the big hats with the big things sticking out of the top. You notice that all those guys that do these wide, wide world of sports type shows look exactly alike. They they look all a little like... uh, Aunt Jenny. Just a little bit like Aunt Jenny, and uh, they also v- look very much like a group of disenfranchised insurance men. Uh, the, the least likely guy that you can see, that I see, standing next to with a wagon run outside a beer Biarritz someplace is Bill Cullen. <laughs> with those glasses, you know. <laughs> oh, man. But but nevertheless, uh, I wonder how many... I'll award you a brass figlage with bronze oak leaf palm. If you can tell me, what is the name of that sport they were doing? Did you see it, Bob, when these guys were up at the top of the hill there? And they had these funny, they had sleds, you know, and they were going down the hill with the sleds. Did you see that? No, no, they were just sleds, re- regular sleds. They went down the hill on a sled, and and they had a, a fancy name for it. They called it something, a Swiss name. Now, I would—I will award the brass figleggy with bronze oak leaf palm if you can tell me the name... That, that that kids actually call that sport. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's getting to the point now where no matter what sport, no matter what trivial little sport, little games that kids play, have now assumed uh, Olympic status. And so guys running and flopping on sleds is now a major sport. <laughs> Did you see it? Now, now, now uh, what, what, what do you... Uh, I, I will award the Brass League with Bronze Oakley Palm to any... To any fellow sorehead who can tell me what that sport used to be called when we were doing it. When we're kid types. All right, you got him there? You got him there, baby? Hey, hey, hey. Keep your head up. Keep watching me. Don't look down every time you get the phone. Watch me. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, when I saw that that, that, uh, that TV show, I was reminded uh, of something which, which I don't think I have ever told on the air. I'm going to tell you a story. And uh, so gather around the radio there. All right, gang, gather around. I'm going to tell you a story of of one of the great moments. Uh, Do you have uh, Stars and Stripes up there? Set it up. Stars and Stripes ready? Okay. All right. Now, let us go once again into the world of dynamic sports programming. Sport fans, another great moment in the world of sports is about to be reconstructed for you. One of those great instances where man meets man, where nature battles against the very will of man to conquer. Yes, once again it's time for a great moment in the world of sports. Stay tuned, sport fans. Hello, everyone. This is Ram Rollmark. <laughs> all right all right I'll tell you <laughs> well I, I, I have I often I've often held this theory which is not a very po- really it's, it's not a very popular one and it is that guys who come from cold climates rarely are hung up with winter sports. Winter sports, if, you, if I may excuse the expression, leave them cold. No, they really do. Uh, it's people who live in, in nice, genteel places like New York and Boston. No, these are. These are genteel places. Believe me, compa- if you don't think so, you've never been to LaPorte, Indiana, honey. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's funny how everybody thinks where he lives is the worst. He's just never been to Hegwish, Illinois. That's all. And, and all, all, all I, I feel is that is the people who come from these big urban centers where the whole world is air-conditioned, where hardly anybody ever gets very cold, where uh, if you have to walk 25 feet to a cab and the wind is blowing, you cry, and, you, you know, you send letters to the Times. Why doesn't Mayor Lindsay do something about heating the city? It's colder than when, when Wagner was in, and now once again he recognizes that the Republicans have sold a bill of goods, sign the disgusted ex-voter, that kind of jazz, uh, that, that you begin to forget, or maybe you don't even know that there is another world out there. And that uh, this is the world of kids' sports, which is very different from the world of the kind of <laughs> insipid kind of stuff that you see on the wide, wide world of sports or all these big TV shows where everybody's got all this great equipment and they're always skiing and Garmisch Partenkirchen and, uh, oh, yes. They're always at the, at the, at the uh, V8 Demolition Derby, and they're doing it in some place like Florida. Actually, the biggest demolition derbies occur on U.S. 41 outside of Indianapolis uh, on Saturday night when the whole crowd is coming back from the drive-in. That's when the demolition derby really gets rough. Boy, they don't wear helmets or crash bars or anything, and the bodies fly through the air like snow. I've been there. Have you? Ever... <laughs> and and I, I don't want to get too deeply involved in that because that's another story. But uh, I'm a kid now. You got the scene? Would you please give me my spooky music? I want to set that it's spooky. It's a little ten-inch spooky type music in there. I'm a kid, and like all kids in the Midwest, in fact, like all kids everywhere, we were, we were, we were, we were nine-tenths carat. We were deeply involved in the world of the earth. The earth itself was part of our, our existence. And so it, was, it never occurred to any of us to spend much time in the house, there was only one guy in our neighborhood who spent any time in the house, and he was the neighborhood sissy. He was white, he was pale, he played the piano, and his name was Tommy Van Hoos. And 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 even now, at this point, when I hear the name Tommy Van Hoos, I feel it curling sne- that sneering lip. Eh, hey, Tommy, come on out, you sissy bum! And we'd run back and forth, and we are out there burrowing our way through the snow drifts. In the summertime, the temperature is 115 degrees in the shade, the, the tumbleweeds are rolling over the sand, and we're out there digging our way through the sand dunes, doing the same thing. Hot, cold, it makes no difference. But in our neighborhood, there was a river. Now, I've always felt that, uh, that, uh, that the, kids, uh, the, the kid really needs, if he wants to learn something, in fact, I think this is true of mankind in general, uh, that if he really wants to, to, to get a sense of that, that brooding outside world, that skulking world just on the other side of the carbines, that skulking world just on the other side of the suburbs, out there, you know, you should live near a swamp. A swamp. You know, we had this river, and it was, a, it was a bleak, lonely river known as the Little Calumet. Now, the word Calumet is an Indian word. And uh, have you ever seen Calumet baking powder? Well, it refers to that group of Indians, those Indians, the Calumet Indians that fooled around and lived on the very site of this river that I'm about to tell you. It's an Indian country, absolute Indian country. In fact, it was the, it was the Indian country that Indiana was named after. This, you know, it's an Indian state. We often think of of Indians as being in the Arizona or Colorado but uh, Indiana was, th- was one of the biggest of all the Indian states. And about a half a mile from my home, this low, flat river lay uh, deep down in the mud and the sand dunes and just wound its way through uh, 10,000 oil refineries. It wound its way through junkyards. It wound its way through uh, vacant lots. And it wound its way under bridges. And it was thick with sludge and goo. But it, it 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 formed at one point a flat, wide, totally deserted swamp. There wasn't anything for miles. And that swamp just lay there and it was maybe two or three miles wide. And it seemed to go on and on endlessly. And right through the swamp was the channel of the river itself. Yeah. The swamp. The swamp. The bottom of the swamp seemed to be endless. Mud. Sludge. In fact, there were rumors that in certain parts of the swamp, if you fell into the mud, you would disappear and never be seen again. The swamp was filled with old car bodies. Five-gallon oil drums, half-rotted tires, and that dark, swirling black water on the Little Calumet, punctuated by the stubble of cattails sticking out here and there in black clumps, and frozen as tough and as hard as the heart of a mafia leader in darkest New Jersey. Frozen for miles on end, the gray land would lay there. With the heavy, dark clouds of the steel smoke, the oil refined with the blast furnace swirling over it, this was our hockey rink. And every night after school, Schwartz and Flick and Brunner, myself and Martin and about five other kids would get out on our hockey skates, get on our bicycles, and we would scoot through the bitter cold air, the temperature maybe five degrees above zero, maybe ten degrees below, and the wind howling out of the lake. We were going down to the swamp. ...for our nightly hockey game. We would arrive... ...and choose up sides. Four or five to a side. And maybe 60 or 70 or 80 yards apart... ...we would set up our goals. Our goals consisting of sticks... ...that we would pound down into the ice... ...with ball-peen hammers. Sticks that were pointed on the end. And there would be the goals. And then we would scratch Right across the ice. The center line. And we would be ready to play. Our hockey puck. Hard as the rock of Gibraltar. Cold. Cutting. With thin edges like a Gillette blue steel razor blade. Each one of us holding his hockey stick. We would pause over the center line. Schwartz would pick up the hockey puck and throw it up into the gray sky and clock 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 pow clock clock bang. The game would begin. Slashing and hacking in the bitter cold air, noses running, blood trickling down from skinned knuckles, driving hard back and forth, we would skate like madmen with no quarters, no minutes, no timeouts, no penalties. No rules. Just that flying puck. Those sticks and those sharp skates hacking away at one another into dark, stigion air Rising over the out. muddy waters of the frozen swamp. Does he move? Yes. Yes. Out of those days comes a secret knowledge. We would begin at maybe four o'clock, and we would skate steadily. We would slash and dig and drive, check and block, hit and slug, until dark, until you couldn't even see the other man's stick, until you couldn't see the puck. And then we would take off our skates, get back on our bicycles, stiff and sore, with great cuts across our cheeks and go riding home in the bitter darkness for supper. I tell that one night. Do you want to hear what happened one night? Yeah. I will never forget it. And that night changed my entire view of winter sports. Yes. Well, you do hear that splashing, sport fans. Yes. Stay tuned for the continuation of our story. Great moments in the world of kids sports in just a moment. But first, speaking of big time sports, this is WOR, AM at FM, New York. Guests for a morning coffee break. That's what it's like when you turn to the women's pages of the New York Times. And your guests tell you about such fascinating things. Who's wearing what, where, this season and next. And recipes. As Craig Claiborne, New York Times food editor, puts it... If we print a recipe for hamburger, we try to make it the best of all possible hamburger. And the same thing is true of uh, quiche Lorraine. We like to make people know... You'll also find news and ideas on decorating, the care and amusement of the children, way more of everything that interests you than in any other paper. Including social news, not just gossip. Let Charlotte Curtis, New York Times women's pages editor, explain. The Times must be concerned with the entire society. We focus on broad and general coverage that hits a great many areas in depth. The New York Times. Passed. Be sure of getting all this and all the rest of the news every morning. Start home delivery today. Call Murray Hill 70700. That's MU 70700, the New York Times. If you're without it, you're not with it. New from Peel's Real Draft Beer in a Can. Here's how people react it is absolutely terrific. Delicious, I'll you- tell you that. Very good. I'll okay. make sure I'll buy a case. It is sensational. That tastes wonderful. Tastes just like draft beer. It's so creamy when it comes out of the can. Did you think they could do this? I never saw draft beer in a can. Peels did it. Put real draft beer in a can. Try it. You'll agree it's really draft beer in a can. Yeah. Hey, listen. Uh, do you do you want to hear the rest of the story of this of this kid hockey? You never hear about this. Uh, kids playing hockey uh, I wonder if kids do play hockey you know they, they they don't play it much out here in the east do they Kids, hockey type stuff uh, boy it's a scary story I'll tell you the the aftermath of it uh, speaking of scary stories let's see we've got a couple of other commercials here let's get them out of the way we've got the reading here the Evelyn Wood reading course I've gotten a couple of letters from people who mentioned that they missed the last classes and the last demonstrations that were held over there. And uh, for those of you who don't know what it is, this is a really good course. uh, If if you're a doctor or an engineer or a student and you have to read a lot of stuff and you don't have enough time to do it, these people will guarantee to raise your reading time anywhere from three to four times. And they mean it, they'll guarantee it. And also raise your comprehension uh, of the material you read and if you would like to see a wild demonstration, now I've seen this demonstration twice. It looks like a fantastic vaudeville act. You just can't believe it. They, they really produce it with bugles and horns. And they get this little guy with horn-rimmed glasses, and he sits down there, and he reads the entire, he reads the entire book of Genesis in 13 and a half seconds. Now that is not, that's, that's, uh, that's tough going. And if you'd like to see this done, call TN72950 and reserve a seat. And they're having these, oh yeah, uh, Thursday, let's see, Wednesday and Thursday. That's this, that's tomorrow and the next day, the 19th and the 20th, twice each evening. So if you want to attend, call them TN72950 and tell them Uncle Fudd called you. Oh, let's see, we have a, uh, let's see what else we got here. Woolmouth, Woolmouth tonight. All right, we have a new sponsor. And uh, these are the people, oh, well, they've got stores all over the Area here, I'm sure you've seen them. This is Woolmouth W O H L M U T H Woolmouth custom tailors and shirt makers. And if you're a guy who likes your stuff to fit and you can't afford to pay uh, for real top flight tailoring stuff, these are custom tailors and they will they have over 1500 fabrics and so on down there. And they, if, you're, if you're in college, boy, man, this is the place to buy really fine clothing at unbelievable prices. And let's see, they're in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, New Jersey. If you live out in Westchester, there's one in White Plains, New Rochelle, Staten Island, Long Island. They're all around. There's one out at Roosevelt Shopping Center. It's Woolmouth, W-O-H-L-M-U-T-H. And these guys worry where they put the buttons. And uh, they they make sure that you look much better than you really are. Now, <laughs> uh, after all, that's the whole point of tailoring. It's all fake and a yard wide. Let's see, do we have anything else? Oh, Rover, yeah, one more, Rover. This is the Rover 2000, which is one of our sponsors for a long time. And I note, uh, that again, Rover has won another major international automobile award, this time in the safety division. One of the major magazines has awarded them the award as the safest car of this year, that is, as far as new designs are concerned. It's a great machine, beautifully made, And uh, I can only say that if you've never driven a car like this, you don't know exactly what I'm talking about. It's very different from any automobile you've ever driven. It's the Rover 2000. It's built in England. It ain't cheap. It's often compared with the Rolls-Royce. This is not one of those little bugs people are always talking about. It's beautifully manufactured, and it's one of the most advanced engineering concerns in the world. They make the Land Rover, which is a famous machine. If you'd like pictures of it, send your name and address to Rover, WOR, 1440 Broadway, New York, New York. Okay. All right, all right. I'll tell you the rest of the story. It's a terrible story. One day, it, uh, it, it, these, the, uh, it, this this. Uh, I've, always, I've always had a predilection after this moment against winter sports. I'll have to admit to you, whenever I hear these clucks on the air, with our big skiing reports tonight. And uh, <laughs> I'm all, I am all—I always vaguely remember this night. That so we went out to play hockey one night. Me and Schwartz, Flick, Brunner, Jack Martin, Josway, Farkas, about 10 guys were all out there batting away. And it was a tough sport. We played. The funny thing, when, when a kid is about 14 or 15 involved in sports, and he's really with it. There are two kinds of kids, really that get involved in sports. Uh, Up to a certain point, all kids play games. Up to a certain point, all boys play uh, baseball or all boys play football. But then they begin to separate. Uh, they, They begin to go their separate ways. And ultimately, when you hit a certain spot in life, when you're a certain age, there's only the truly dedicated left. Especially in a sport like hockey, played on a swamp, now, now, we were a good mile and a half, maybe maybe two miles from home base when we would go out to the swamp. It was way out in the woods. And on either side of the swamp, there were rolling sand dunes and a few stubbly fields where somebody had tried to dr- grow corn or maybe during the summer, cantaloupe. You could just see a little stubble in there and a few little trees. But this flat, low swamp that just lay for blocks on either side, just lay there like some dark, flat uh, iron gray bowl, and out of out of out of the swamp, there would be little clumps, just little pieces of uh, of uh, island. Uh, cattails and weeds would grow, just little spots all over. We would play, and right in the middle of that, right down, slashing through the center, but went the channel, and that was clear pretty much. And the the channel was what we always feared because there were the rumors that always floated around among kids that the mud was so deep on the bottom of the channel there that if you ever fell into it, forget it, you were done. And it was bitter cold. Oh, it was bitter cold. The temperature was always around zero at the time when it would be frozen because this, you see, this water was so polluted, there was so much oil and crud in this water that it had a lower freezing point than normal water. Sure, it really did. So so uh if if you were to take uh, ordinary water freezes at 32 degrees. This stuff didn't freeze till it got down around 15. <laughs> it was like the crud and the, the sludge at the bottom of the radiator in a 1937 Ford V8. That kind of stuff, gloppy, crummy, smelly, uh, icky water, <laughs> dead toads and and uh, dead catfish mixed up with petroleum and slag and stuff from the uh, stuff from the uh, the refineries. Just, it was just it was more a sludge than anything else, but frozen hard. And when we would skate on this, uh, the, the the ice would slowly get to be all cut and fuzzy. Have you seen when you watch uh, hockey games on TV how they come out and they brush the the ice off? They have these big they have these big scoops and they brush the snow off. Well, our 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 ice would be skated on so much that eventually it would be just flat white and look almost like it was snow, gray snow because the ice was gray itself. And one night, we're skating back and forth. We would just go continually. We never stopped. There was never any timeout. There was ever any blowing of any whistles. It was a very basic game. You try to get it through the other guy's goal. And if the other guy got in your way, kick him. And And if he still was up after you kicked him, slash him with your skate. And if he was still up, high stick him. Get him in the neck. And if he was still up, then you were in trouble. <laughs> and we would go back and forth with that puck, sliding back and forth. And we would take turns to be goalie. And I can remember some of these, these, these no, no padding, by the way. We, we wore no pants, no masks, nothing. All we had on was our sheepskin coats. We had our, we had our uh, corduroy pants. Uh, Buttoned down tight, and we had we usually uh, put the high top uh, skates up around it, and high white socks that we would pull up almost to our knees. It looked almost like a hockey uniform, and those those sharp biting Chicago blade skates. And I can remember sc- crouching down as goalie. I, I still have a scar, and I'll show it to you when I get off the air, in case you're interested. I still have a scar over my left eye but, that that I got from catching a puck. Boy, did it hit me right in the eye. And I can remember that terrible moment of, of being crouched down. And I see Flick, Schwartz, and Bruner bearing down on me, sk- uh, skating as fast as they could. And Schwartz would raise his stick, and he would golf it. Pow! And that puck would come right at you, and it was up to you to stop it, you know. There was no, never any question of ducking or jumping out of the way. You either caught it in the gut, you caught it on your elbow or your shoulder, or on the top of your head, or you grabbed it in your in your glove. Or else it went past you, and it was a goal. Oh, oh boy, I can remember that that night that I got one in the eye. And so here we are. Here it's a it's a it's a cold, bitter night. And remember, we skated till it was dark. What well, was the, that? Was the end of the game? When it got to the point you could not see the puck anymore, forget it. The game was over. And so one night, it was uh, it was a cold, kind of a windy, gray, gusty night. I remember vividly. We got on our we got on our bikes and we rode out to the swamp. We started to play hockey. And a couple of kids drifted down and they were standing on the shore watching us and hollering and they drifted away. And we're playing. Back and forth we went. Back and forth. And now it's maybe 4:30. It's getting a little darker. And we're raising this tremendous sweat you raise when you're playing like that. The sweat just pours out of you. And then it freezes on you, a little frost all over your breath, and, and you've got, you, your nose is continually running when you're playing this game because of the exertion, and that's freezing on you. And there's, there's vague chapness all over your cheekbones, and your hands are wet, because every time you, you slide on the ice, you get, this, you get this ice shavings all over you and it melts, and your, your gloves get cold and clammy, and your feet get cold and clammy and wet. But nevertheless, we skate on and on and on and on. It's part of the game. It's sweating and uh, gasping for breath and laying on the the ice and grabbing each other and fighting and hitting and slashing and banging and pushing. And now it's about quarter to five and it's getting darker and darker. And somebody slashed a puck that slid off sides and just went way off between the little hillocks, just... Bumped. It went between the little hillocks of of, uh, of Cattail and Rush and Reed. And Jack Martin turned, and he skated after. It was out of bounds. We had a couple of sticks. It was out of bounds. So Martin says, out of bounds, out of bounds. Oh, you're not out of bounds, Schwartz. We got the puck. We got to face off. Now let's go. And he goes, he skates off. And it's almost dark. You can hardly see him. He skated off towards that, towards that puck, which had slid fast and hard maybe 75 feet away from the center line where we were playing. And Martin skated off. And there was a, a brief pause, and I'm down there. I'm, I'm in the goal. See, I'm playing goalie. Flick is there. Schwartz and Farkas were sort of milling around. And he's going to bring the puck back. He skates off. There was a brief pause. And then suddenly, without any warning, it just, boom, it just hit like that. Martin disappeared. It gone just disappeared. Schwartz hollered, Hey, Martin, hey, nothing, silence, and the wind blew, and that cold settled down. And Flick turned to Farkas and said, I think he fell in. And Farkas hollered, Hey, come on. Come on, Martin. Quit fooling around. You're not kidding us, boy. Silence. Martin had disappeared. Well, Schwartz started to skate over. And he turned and called back to us. He fell in the water. And there it was. As we drifted over, you could see this big black steel gray hole just laying there, like a big coin on the ice. Somehow, the ice had just caved right in under Martin, and Martin was gone. Nothing but water, sludgy, black, cruddy, crummy, rotten water. And Schwartz started to get hysterical instantly. You know, you don't often see kids get hysterical. Not kids that are this type of kid. Anyway, we never did. And Schwartz suddenly says, Hey, Martin, Martin! He's yelling, Hey, Martin, Martin! Schwartz goes down on his knees and starts to crawl up to the hole carrying his hockey stick, which he's poking towards the water. And you can see something there. There's a roiling in the water and suddenly the ice... and in goes Schwartz. Oh, What the heck? And Schwartz is hollering. He, he, he hit that water, and the instant that ice gave away, you could just feel it, this fantastic wave of fear and shock just rolled out. And Schwartz... Ah! In he goes... Well, Farkas is now laying flat on the ice and he's scrunching backwards. And all around us, all around us, you can hear oh. 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 the ice is creaking, crunching, and big cracks are appearing. All around us, every last man jack of us. Great Scott. Well, it seemed like it all happened at once. Within a space, I would say, of 45 seconds to a minute, all of us were in the water. Every last one of us, hanging in the water. I went in. All I know is that the, the ice suddenly just gave away. It was a very strange feeling. It was like a feeling... Have you ever slipped suddenly without any warning? Just slipped, and your feet went out? Well, suddenly there was just no ground under me. And down I went into this black water, and up I came, and I'm hanging on to the edge of the ice. I look over, and I see Schwartz is now hanging onto the edge of the ice, and Martin has come up. How Martin ever came up, where he was, I'll never know. But Martin came up, and he is yelling bloody murder. Flick is laughing to beat the band. Flick is hysterically laughing and Farkas is is swimming around pushing an ice floe ahead of him and all of us are in this black, sludgy, oily, cruddy, filthy dead tadpole, stinking swamp of the little Miami, the little Calumet River. And we hung there. Well, I, I, I reached down. I could feel the bottom gooey and 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 frozen and hard and strange under my feet. Have you ever walked on frozen river mud that's half solid and half like uh, toothpaste? And just uh, almost uh, almost like some kind of plastic it gets in very cold. It doesn't feel like real mud. It feels like something thicker and heavier and more dangerous than real mud. Well, I dragged myself up, I laid flat over on on the piece of ice that that was holding me up and pulled myself out, and I am up out on safe land, or at least on safe ice for about 10 seconds. And down it goes again. I pulled myself up, and I could see Schwartz, I could see Flick, I could see Brunner. They're all doing the same thing. They pull themselves up, and the ice collapses. It's like rubber. What happened? I don't know. We've been skating on that place, for that damn place, for, for months, and now suddenly it's giving us the business. Well, it seemed like hours later, breaking our way over perhaps three-quarters of a mile of swamp, we finally got to hard ground where our bicycles were. And we all got there, which I didn't think was possible. I lost my hockey stick, Schwartz got back with his. Flick lost his earmuffs. Martin lost one of his gloves. And all of us lost our cool. You have no idea. You have never seen ten scareder kids in your life. More than anything else, we were scared to go home. Absolutely terrified. Because, you know, there's always that... That thing, you're going to fall in the water, you're going to fall in the river. Don't go skating at the river, you're going to get shot in the eye. Don't go out too far, the undertow is going to get you. You know the the old standard mother things? Don't swim right after you eat, all that stuff. And all of us had been in that water and I was covered with mud and oil and crud and we began to freeze. Oh boy, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget the feeling of those frozen knickers, those corduroy knickers. And that that terrible sense of of something creeping up on you. Some kind of pneumonia, some kind of fright, some kind of scare. And looking out over the river, you could just see that black, great open space of unfrozen water where our hockey game had been played. When we were sitting on this muddy bank that was frozen, and around us were these few few broken down, busted willow trees, uh, no leaves, just thin, high whips of branches, and a few busted down old, tired cattails, and we crouched down on the bank. Well, Schwartz had, uh, I think it was a paper or something on his bicycle, all wrapped up and rolled with with a strap around it, and he takes the paper off, and we lit it. Somebody had a match. Somebody had some 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 matches it with light and we lit this thing and all of us crouched around this burning paper feeding it cattails trying to thaw out and the wind was coming up it was getting colder and colder it was almost totally dark now and we sat down there in that mud and had, and had our hands over that burning fire we just sat down there and somebody threw on a piece of old wood and someone else got a piece of Reed that was all crumbled up and tossed that in and this little flame flickered, flickered for a while and it smoked and then it went out we sat for about 10 minutes and got on our bikes and slowly started to pedal back towards home over the icy roads and you could see that swamp disappearing in the distance behind us and we were tired from the hockey we were scared from the water we were covered with mud. We were frozen from that cold wind. On and on and on we pedaled until finally I got home. Dragged myself up the back porch. Oh, boy! I can't tell you how that how that warm kitchen felt. How that warm blast of air, that orange, yellow kitchen red. Red cabbage-smelling air came pouring out. You could smell the linoleum and you could smell the living room. Oh, it's warm. It's warm. It's warm. Do you have my Star Spangled Banner in there for me? It's warm. Wow. And there you have another great moment from the world of sports. Sport fans, stay tuned next week at the same time when we will recreate... Another thrilling moment in the world of sports. Here, there, and everywhere. The gridiron, the diamond, the high jump, the pole vault, the Olympic seat Yes, the world of sports is there, but for the asking. So, good evening, sport fans. This is Stan Womack saying good evening. <laughs> Well, there's one other thing. Now, I, I uh, get, get my scary music. I will tell you one other story about my experience with, with winter sports and why, why I still itch a little bit around the ankles. Of course, you realize that as a hockey player, I have ankles made out of wet noodles. But, uh, but the kind of skating we did as, as playing hockey, well, that's not exactly true. I can remember taking those old hockey skates and, 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 and slamming them down and tightening up, tightening them so tight with these, with these hard, these hard ankle, uh, the, the hard ankle, uh, leathers they have that come up high in the hockey skates, tightening them so tight that you just couldn't feel your feet. And I remember running across the ice. We'd run on the ice. You'd go, And you'd launch yourself headfirst into Schwartz, who's trying to score a goal. You'd you'd go, bang, down you'd both go. And your skates fly, and the puck slithers past, and up you go. (laughs) The sound of a kid hockey game going. I'll never forget the first time I saw my first genuine hockey game. I couldn't believe it, and I want to tell you this: I had a terrible itch to get down there and grab a stick. I had a feeling that the kind of infighting that we learned on the little Calumet Swamp would have been valuable. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was a very different. Well, we, we had one other. We had one other major winter sport, which uh, which which today still to this day remains with me as the greatest thrill that I've ever had in any kind of sport I have competed, raced in race cars, I've uh, flown off of carriers in jets but I have never had anything that ever affected me quite the way this particular sport affected me and it ain't skiing I will give you a brass figly with bronze oak leaf palm if you could, can you guess either of you what that sport was can't conceivably Well, one Saturday, I was invited by a friend of mine to go out to Lake Michigan itself. Not exactly Lake Michigan, but two or three great bays that come digging in to southern Michigan. And we stood on the shore and we rigged up an ice boat. A beautiful, competition, highly tuned, magnificently balanced ice boat. And I had only heard about ice boats. You don't see them around here in the East very much. This, uh, this a uh, faith world where people do little things like ski and stand around in places where they ski and drink beer, and wear jazzy sweaters. And we stood on the shore and that spanking wind coming in off the lake at maybe 35 and 40 miles an hour. And we rigged up this ice boat. Uh, he put up the sail, we got everything all set. And it was snapping Oh boy, you hear that you hear that, that, that sail reaching up into that grey winter sky, snapping in that, that northern Michigan wind. It goes pow 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 Well, it's just like a cross. It's a strange little vessel. It's like a cross with blades on it. With thin, it's like a spider, some kind of a Some kind of a skeleton. It it doesn't look like anything real that should go. And it seemed like a second and a half later, I am laying out on one of the arms of the cross. And over on the other side is Howie on the other arm of the cross. And the only instruction I had was hang on, lay low, and don't chicken. And we started to move. Faster and faster and faster and faster. So fast that it, it, it just just it, it defies imagination. Until finally we must have gone met may, maybe 85, 90, close to 100 miles an hour across that ice with that fantastic, hard, biting, swooping, moving, bitter cold Michigan wind driving us over that smooth ice of the lake, faster and faster, and my face wasn't over eight or nine inches from the surface of the ice. It was such a blur as I've never seen in my life before. We went on and on and on and on. And I knew knew something about winter sports that I've never forgotten. That no other sport has ever quite achieved for me. On and on and on we went. And that gray, leaden sky overhead, so fast, it made you think you weren't even moving at all. You were in a world of your own.